Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today on the podcast we're continuing the discussion we've been having over the past couple of episodes about the housing crisis in Dublin and the effect that that's having on musicians at home and abroad. We talked to Orla Gartland on TPOE 96 about why she moved to London and on the last episode we talked to two musicians who've moved to Berlin, Ben from All the Luck in the World and Connor from Spies. This episode we're talking to Sean, aka Kobina, an electronic musician from Dublin who's lived in Amsterdam. And later on, you're going to hear from Maya Sophia, an amazing singer-songwriter from Galway who's lived in London and is currently in Dublin. First, here's Sean Kobina. He recently remixed Dahi's track, Take the Wheel, from his EP of the same name, and he'll have new music coming very soon. I started by asking him why he moved to Amsterdam in the first place. Yeah, it kind of, um, well, there were a bunch of reasons, but uh, it kind of goes back a little bit uh, further, I think, than the most recent kind of uh, publications and that on it. But um, I think uh, when I left college, I did a construction-based degree and I was uh, floating about DJing and and making music at the time, but not taking it very seriously. And um, I started doing uh, DJing and producing full-time, but kind of found that the the venues and uh, places I was playing were becoming few and far between. So uh, this is about five years ago, places like the Twisted Pepper or that were starting to close down. And the music I make maybe isn't going to be a, a mainstream Taylor Swift hit anytime soon. So those kind of venues are really important to create an income stream. So uh, I made the decision around that time to take on a full-time job uh, to try and support it so that I could be a bit more picky because I, I found myself playing in terrible terrible venues for terrible brands uh, a couple of big drinks brands or whatever uh but just playing to like 10 people or playing to like 100 people who weren't interested in the show they were there because it was a company event or something and so i took on the job and and did that and and started renting in dublin which is always uh, a good use of your income but um i had a studio in rap mines which was going quite well it was shared with about three or four people other musicians from dublin um and uh yeah just over the following year like the rent on the studio went way up and the amount of venues that we could play to were less and then noticed that uh i got made most of my money or my income was from uh i suppose placement or uh publishing where brands like uh brown thomas or somebody would ask me to create music or use my music in their ads uh which was sweet but uh the amount of money coming in from them reduced and uh yeah so i I was kind of looking around and at that point i was like okay well uh i'm not making as much money here i'm paying more rent Uh, my studio has now become unaffordable um i'm sharing with four people and i can either make the decision to going back full time or i can look maybe further afield um i got a job offer in amsterdam relating to my kind of full-time job um I, I kind of thought about it for a while, well, very quickly, I kind of decided that's maybe where I was going to go. So decided to take the plunge, uh, packed up the job and then and then moved over. But I think, uh, yeah, when I was kind of making a list of the reasons why I would stick around, it, it just seemed the list was getting shorter. Really, the only thing I was sticking around for was my friends or the community around us, which is which is great in Dublin and particularly Ireland widespread. Like there's a lot of guys uh, you know from Cork to Feel Good Loss or the Connolly's Elite team who'd or left. Sorry, I was getting in trouble for that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, who were awesome and yeah, definitely missed that aspect of it. But uh, it just seemed like the list of reasons to stay from both a personal and a music perspective seemed to be getting shorter and shorter. 
so it kind of was the cultural side of Dublin, which kind of seems to have driven you out the fact that there weren't enough like purpose-built venues and that is something that you kind of see crop up as uh an argument uh quite a lot it's the fact that like um the the curfew is so early people want to party until like 5 a.m or 6 a.m or something and there have been calls for a nightmare uh as well to kind of like tackle some of these issues but all of that kind of contributed to you deciding to head away yeah, definitely. I mean, for me personally, I developed like quite severe stage fright a couple of years ago. And what I found was that uh, if I was playing late night venues, it almost made it worse. Um, and what I decided to try and do was to uh, try and put on shows during the day or interesting shows in new venues. And it just even seemed that like, say you saw places like Mabos or Te, Block T, where you could put on kind of performance aspects. I really wanted to try and build a, an audio, audio visual element of it. And they were just becoming less and less. And then you saw Block T get shut down. You saw Mabos get shut down. And even the new replacement ones that are opening, say, like the Tara building, which is an awesome kind of uh, setup on Tara Street. But they are really for members and people who are, are paying full time in the studio. The availability of spaces even to put on something different, particularly for uh, like I'm well aware that the music I make is quite niche. It's not it's not exactly main. It's not going to be a mainstream hit, but it's um the availability to like use old buildings even to set something up is just next to impossible. There's a couple of people doing it very well, but even the clubs that are on, there's a stranglehold, I think, of about four or five promotions companies who have kind of come together and they run all the venues pretty much in Dublin. So unless you've been in there, which I, I do know a lot of guys and probably could get a gig if I really pressured them, but it wouldn't really be on my terms. It would probably be to support some act or somebody coming over. So it was very hard to get... Uh, put anything forward that you could really happily stand over and just as uh something that i really wish we could see more of in dublin and it kind of happened a little bit in the recession and then of course once the apartment hotels were required they were pushed out as in amsterdam there's an area called western gas fabric which is all these old unused factories that they've just basically opened for very cheap for either startup businesses or artist collectives to just come in and use them for whatever they want. The idea is it's better to have somebody in there than nobody in there. And it just creates kind of a community around them. And and they're more accessible, I think, than, than they are in Dublin. Or I, I speak mostly about Dublin because that's where I was based, I guess. Uh, when Did you go to Dublin or did you go to Amsterdam straight from Dublin? And when, when did you decide to uh, leave? Yeah, I, I visited last year and ma- I made up a list actually of about five cities that I was thinking about going and then I, I happened to get a job offer in Amsterdam and that kind of jumped to the top of the list and I was like, oh crap, last time I was there was about six years ago and I actually really didn't like Amsterdam because I had stayed in the center and it's like going to visit Dublin but staying in Temple Bar if you just stay in the center, um, it's a bit grim, but I. Uh, so I visited again and spent about a week or two here in May last year and I met some friends and it, we went down and watched a friend of mine play on a, they have a great online radio show here called um, Red Light Radio. That's not a plug. I've no affiliation, but they, it's just kind of like their version of NTS, but it, it's really good. The shows that are on it are awesome. So we went down to an event by them and the community there seemed really strong. And that was kind of the driver then. I said, well, okay, my professional life is offering me an opportunity here and I can really see a, a creative community here as well. And then once those two things were ticked, I was like, okay, time to move on, you know. 
because you could see how it was going in Dublin like last year like it was kind yeah. of becoming untenable for a, a lot of reasons yeah exactly this is it yeah I, I just think uh particularly for starting up like I remember not to be uh, I remember when I was young I'm, I'm only 29 that sounds a bit ridiculous but uh but I, I remember we were 18 19 20 and we were just DJing at the time it was so easy for a young collective to set up a group and just be like okay we're going to take over Kennedy's on Pier Street it was a horrible venue where you could get in there and just do your own thing and have some time to grow as a as a musician or a collective and about last year it just seemed like that was disappearing rapidly and through the grapevine, I'd already heard that District 8 was closing and that uh, the Andrews Lane was closing and all these were already kind of announced, I think, a year and a half ago, not officially, and everybody kind of knew about it. And I said, I just saw people were like, oh, there'll be a new venue open, but I, I really couldn't see it go that way because I suppose my other, my professional degree crossed over in terms of the foresight, like I studied construction economics and I could see the way the market was growing. And I kind of knew that that was an inevitable thing and that we didn't have protections in place for any sort of creative community, whether it's music or art. It's always the thing that goes further down the list, particularly with the current government and the way they view uh, what's important. Uh, creative industries always get pushed push to the bottom because it's not a direct income source. They don't see the, the revenue stream in clear black and white, so they don't understand the value of it. It's, uh, yeah. So what would you, like, how do you see it going? Do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better? And, like, what uh, quickfire solutions, like, jump to mind as, like, this is what you can do to stem the tide? Yeah, um, yeah, but unfortunately it's probably going to get, but I think it's going to get much worse before it gets better. Even, I think, in the news this morning in Ireland, there's all these stories about a homeless woman and her children staying in a, uh, in a guard station and obviously homelessness is a, a far greater issue but it's actually all really linked it all comes back to valuing people who aren't maybe the highest revenue stream income like when you see Amazon or Facebook or any of these companies come in and announce a tech campus that's all well and good but where are they actually going to stay and, and by proxy of that is is what are we actually building these hotels for is it just for uh, tourists to come and see the Guinness factory or do we want to create a kind of a, a rich fabric within the city? And I, I don't think that's really being translated at all because it's not urgent. They don't see it as urgent anyway. So I'd say over next year, you're going to see it get much worse uh, from my perspective. And you'll see a lot more of these kind of cocktail bars and it'll become a bit homogenized. But yeah, in terms of solutions, yeah, it's, it, it's a tough one. Uh, I mean, the obvious solution, uh, which we don't really have control over, is when there's a recession, all these companies will leave again and all these spaces will become empty and then suddenly landlords will be a bit more flexible. But I think uh, some small things they could do is uh, the licensing laws could be increased. I mean, like allowing people to stay out later, I, I think curbs a lot of the problems we have with like antisocial and over drinking in Ireland as a drinking culture. Uh, that we see like people finish work at say five six o'clock they have to be in town to get into a venue by 12 o'clock so they condense all that drinking into three or four hours and then they get thrown back out at two o'clock and yeah we need to create spaces where people can I suppose party safe not to sound too old dad about it but it's you need to create spaces so if the government could create um, take old factories and open them up to the public or rather than demolishing old buildings and handing them over to private enterprises create collectives allow people to run them 
at a cost. Um, you could charge people a, a membership fee, similar to what the Tara building is doing, but make it much more open to the general public or create a, a gig venue that is run by artists. Uh, those kind of spaces will help build communities and then people can get more creative about it. And also, I think uh, the number of festivals that we're seeing open constantly, but then it's funny, the, the smaller festivals are the ones the police seem more uh, or the guards seem more concerned about. You see a lot of festivals getting their permits pulled on the day of or the day before because they're now suddenly concerned about the volume of people arriving. And it's it's those small things that actually build up into bigger things that we're not very good at. We don't have the foresight. We tend to want instant success. And that's not actually the way to build a sustainable thing because if you look at, say, All Together Now, which was, by all accounts, a huge success, um, the guys behind that have a lot of, uh, I suppose, money to put it put forward. But by the same measure, as soon as it stops becoming sustainable for them, they'll just pull and go somewhere else. And uh, I think that's the what we lack, is if you build people homegrown up, they'll, they'll be invested in the city and they'll put money back into it. But yeah, I think uh, spaces where people can just rent them and it shouldn't be just financial, financially driven, those venues should operate even at a loss so that the people creating output from there can create at a profit, I guess, if you want to look at it in a money sense. And in terms of Amsterdam, you've been there for over a year? Yeah, um, just yeah, one year, I think, last week, actually. Ha- congratulations. Oh, uh, like, I presume that it, it has its own issues as well. Like, I mean, Airbnb, it does seem like it's things are coming to a head in terms of Airbnb and cities deciding, well, actually, this might be the reason why stuff is, why prices are being driven up and why there's a lack of accommodation. Are there are there issues in Amsterdam that people are complaining about as well? Yeah, the Dutch have a real issue. Tomorrow. Well, historically, Amsterdam or just the Netherlands in general was very cheap to rent in, and it's not the case anymore. Amsterdam is quite expensive to rent in, probably slightly less than Dublin, but uh, not a million miles off. And, but there's a couple of things that make people a little less angry about it. Is there's a lot more security of tenure. So once you've completed a one-year lease in an apartment, for example, if you said they can offer you one more um one-year lease and once you get that one-year lease they have to offer you permanent tenancy so you're then protected until you choose to leave uh yeah which is great because it means you're not worried every day like we can buy furniture for our apartment here and not worry about oh next week i'm gonna have to move all this on my bicycle across amsterdam or uh, hire a guy in a truck to carry all this um which was kind of the case in dublin uh, there was always a fear that, like, oh, next month could be the last month if they decide to up and sell it. Um, yeah, and then also they have things like they link uh, rent to inflation, but also on new build uh, properties, and this is for commercial spaces and not just uh, home rental. Uh, they can only charge a certain amount of euro per square meter based on the services available in that space. So if you build a brand new apartment which has all the mod cons on it, well, then you can charge slightly more per square meter. But if you just build a basic apartment, you can charge less. So actually, new build apartments are cheaper to rent than an old building, generally. But uh, unless you've been in there a long time, I have some friends who live in apartments since like the early 90s and are probably paying 700 euro per month for, say, a big two-bed apartment in the center of Amsterdam, um, which is just crazy cheaper than anywhere else uh but there's definitely um a kind of a a movement of people at the moment from the natural so uh it's kind of hard to describe it on a map but if you think about amsterdam being split into the north south east and west uh the south was traditionally where all the dutch people stayed, but that's become 
a home for tech companies, employees to live because it's quite trendy and that. So the Dutch people have moved west, which is uh, where we're living at the moment. And even now we're noticing people are from the west are now moving east because it's slightly cheaper. And then from the east, they're starting to move north and north is being redeveloped. And it's, but they're all moving within Amsterdam. But you see a lot of people will live here till they're like 30, 35. And then they'll start making a decision to move slightly outside the city because it's actually affordable to purchase property outside of Amsterdam. It's not really affordable to buy. It's definitely a renter city um, unless you're making serious money. But what it does is it, it means that people are secure here for a certain amount of time. And then when they make the decision to move out, they probably have the ability to save, to invest uh, and and to try and find somewhere that suits them. Um, but yeah, even from an artistic point of view, I they do... Uh, have a mentality that it's better to use a building than to leave it empty so you constantly see these things called concept stores everywhere which are kind of tax not tax free but they get a tax reduction and they also get grants from the government to just go in and use commercial space for whatever their idea is like right next door to me there's a there's a gallery but then beside that there's an ice cream shop for children and like they're, they're both concept stores they both get tax relief and they get to set up for a period of time and see if the business actually works and that works with galleries and everything so they get to at least do a trial run of like six months to a year the landlord gets some income rather than leaving it empty and i think the landlord gets some rebates by allowing these companies to start up so it's not a case of him taking a loss um and but it also means people aren't hoarding property in the same way every available space is being used by someone for something And just in terms of uh, your music and like your music career, uh, do do you feel like you've lost something moving out of Dublin or does Amsterdam easily fill that void and does the internet kind of negate any kind of uh, communication issues that you'd have? Like, I mean, you've just put out a remix for Dahi's new single, Take the Wheel. It doesn't seem to have hindered you not living in Dublin. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, I wouldn't say it's hindered me as such, but yeah, yeah, no, I definitely feel I miss something from Dublin. Like, for example, I was just back there for a, a week or so and was able to meet up with about six or seven friends of mine who are all working in creative, either film or music or photography or whatever. And just by being around those people, we were able to talk about what they're coming up with, what we're doing lately, lately and there's something much more tactile about sitting face to face with people and, and Dublin's my home. So there's a, a community aspect there that you just don't get when you move abroad uh, initially. Uh, and even in terms of the West Cork group, there's uh, the bands like Talos or the guys from LEP or or whatever. These guys that I, I had started to connect with a little bit, we would have, um, it was always nice to be able to just jump in a car and go to a venue and support your friends playing. And it builds up a real sense of community that the Dutch have a different mentality about. The Dutch tend to be really friendly when you first meet them, but you really have to work to get into their inner circle. So I'd say I've been here a year now and only about two or three months ago, I I could could probably say I have some Dutch friends. Now I have a lot of expat friends, but like really had a lot of Dutch acquaintances, but now some Dutch friends. And so that's hard to break into here. But um, once you're in, you're in kind of thing. But uh, yeah, the internet definitely helps. You can stay connected with people, but there's something very tactile about being able to sit and grab a coffee with somebody you miss so much by not having that face-to-face meeting. And it's a lot more inspiring to sit with somebody and feel whether they're being genuine or or authentic about what they're doing. 
Uh, so yeah, that's definitely missed. I think from Dublin, I feel I've lost lost that in a way. But yeah, definitely can build it somewhere else. But it just takes time. And just finally, like looking at the way things do seem to be kind of coming to a head uh, in Dublin, like David Kitt does certainly seem to have sparked a conversation. Would you recommend to people, like if you're thinking about it, just go and like try somewhere else, try Europe, try Amsterdam? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's I I, I don't like. Uh, patronizing anybody and saying oh it's as easy as just jumping ship I was lucky that I, I made the decision to take on a job and and I actually feel I work better in that constricted time frame where I'm able to work between say five in the evening till late at night that's my usual mo and I, that's how I've always worked so it kind of benefits me so I don't know other people need to spend time in a studio at all times and and Amsterdam is not an immediately affordable place to be to get into the system but uh if you have a desire to go somewhere and you feel like costs are escalating and escalating, I mean, look, it, it's hard to know if you'd be happy moving to Cork or somewhere around Ireland and you feel it's affordable there, well, then move there. I wouldn't immediately say Europe's the answer. I think it's 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 any space you feel you can find your rhythm and, and find uh, time uh, to work on whatever your creative output is. But I definitely would say if you can afford to do it and you have some way of creating a cushion for yourself before you go, whether that's try and build up some sort of saving that you don't touch so that when you go, it's not just uh, you're going to lose everything. Try and put something aside. But yeah, definitely don't let this idea of, oh, well, I was born and raised in Dublin tie you to that city because the city's not giving you anything. So you don't need to keep putting your input into it. I think it's time to move on. And with the internet, you can definitely stay connected and, and, and do a lot. But yeah, it's not easy, but it's definitely, I think for me, it's starting to become worth it over the last four or five months. So that was Sean Gobina talking about life in Amsterdam. Uh, I was there over the weekend, actually, and I can confirm it is an amazing city. If I could live there. And now here's singer-songwriter Maya Sophia talking about what life is like amid the housing crisis in Dublin. Yeah, I think like pretty much all artists I know um, living in Dublin are, you know, in a similar state of mind about the city at the moment. I I don't know if the same can be said for the whole country, but definitely Dublin is is pretty grim at the moment. In what respects? The rent is is basically like impossible unless you're you're working full time, and it's impossible to make work regularly if you're also trying to put every penny you make into paying your rent like I I work part-time and I'm a student and I'm also on top of that trying to um have a somewhat successful music career and um all of these things are really difficult to maintain when there's this like overhanging anxiety of having no rental stability and um yeah just you know, you're constantly thinking about money. Uh, so, like, you were born, I hope I get this right, you were born in Galway and then you moved to uh, Dublin about four years ago, am I right? Um, yeah, that's right. I I grew up, like, in the countryside, and when I was 18, 19, 18 or 19, I moved to Dublin. I stayed there for three months, and then I moved to London. And then after... About two years, I moved back to Dublin. So I, I've been back in Dublin since May 2016. And in that time, I have 
lived in four different houses and had like a two month period of being homeless in that time. <laughs> Not, I mean, when I say homeless, I don't mean I was like on the streets. I mean, I was sleeping on friends' sofas. Was that recently enough? Like that was, um, it was September and October 2016. I had um. been. I'd been sub when I first arrived back. I'd been subletting, and then uh, like a friend's ha- a friend's room, and then me and my partner of the time um, moved into a flat. Which long story long long story short, it was um, the man who'd been renting it to us um, wasn't actually the landlord, and like did a runner with our deposit, and like after like about three weeks of living there and kind of starting to feel like something was a bit weird. Um, we had like three guardy call to the flat and like basically tell us that we had to leave and oh, it was very stressful and then because it was like September like it was like peak student time and nobody wants to rent to a couple um, especially to very broke people <laughs> so we spent about two months um, living on sofas um, annoying people until we got somewhere to live Man, and so when we did get somewhere to live it was incredibly grim yeah so this is like nothing new like david kitt kind of put himself out there with that facebook post and it seems to have kind of galvanized uh certainly a lot of musicians both in uh dublin and ireland and those who have moved abroad um but it sounds like it's nothing new really that it's kind of been it's kind of reached its uh its pinnacle of like grimness yeah i mean i think it's at like a crisis level at the moment um, like I've been, you know, I feel like every conversation I have with people descends into, oh my God, the rental crisis, like on like a daily basis almost. And like, it's like, I'm almost kind of sick of talking about it. I, like I'm actually at the point that I'm, I can't wait to leave Dublin. Like I lo- I really love Dublin, but, um, I just can't live like this. Anymore. <laughs> I can't, like it's like, um, like it affects my mental health and also like just having no free time and um, I know like a couple of people a couple of people I know are moving to Limerick and um, some friends have already moved down and like people that are artists and musicians and like some other friends who are all in bands have just come back from playing a gig there and they're all saying we're going to move to Limerick now so that's a possibility um I don't. I, I've, I'm tied to Dublin for the next two years because I'm in college here. But um, after that, I'm definitely thinking about moving as well. So, why did you initially move from Galway to uh, Dublin uh, those years ago? Was was it just to like? Well, there are more opportunities in Dublin than Galway. Yeah. Let's try this out. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I had finished my leaving cert and I was living. And like literally in in the sticks, like I grew up in the deep deep countryside, and um, it was very isolating, and I was incredibly bored, and I just really wanted. I didn't really know any other musicians. I didn't know any other people who were like doing creative things, so I was just kind of like desperate to surround myself with people who were doing similar things. Like I, at that point, I was just like, I just want to write songs, and I just want to meet people to play music with so um yeah I I moved I applied to go to college um 
and I, la- I only lasted one week and I dropped out but I decided to stay in Dublin anyway because um, it was better than head freight and go away um, but and, uh, and at that point I, I got quite lucky my rent was quite cheap um, like even in the last four years things have like rapidly declined in that manner but yeah after three months I moved to London and then when I came back to Dublin I was like like London is really crazy and expensive so I was kind of like in my head I was like oh I'll move back to Dublin and things will be easier um which I was very much mistaken what was uh London like to live in um well I was really lucky that I had family to land with so I ended up staying with my auntie for a really long time she's very generously let me live in her spare room um but yeah I mean I was looking at warehouses I had a really weird experience where I moved into like a a Camelot property um Camelot is kind of like um uh, a company that takes over abandoned buildings and like I don't really know what the the laws behind or what the legal side of it is but they basically rent you these abandoned buildings for like really really cheap so it's kind of like sanitized squatting in a way um but I didn't really last I think I literally lasted like one night there and then there was like um there was like loads of people taking crack in the garden and I was like okay forever whatever cheap rent I need to get out of here so yeah London was really stressful as well so I won't be moving back there uh in terms of like music opportunities though did you feel like London was kind of the place to be did you feel like oh I can Um, it's better over here yeah for a while I mean yeah um, when I first moved to London I was like really optimistic and excited and then I did have like really amazing opportunities and really amazing experiences I met loads of really helpful and interesting people but um after a while I kind of found that the music industry in London or the music scene or whatever it feels very much industry I don't know like it felt very much like people were preoccupied with the industry and like the business side of things and for me I just wanted to like make music and you know not um I've never been that concerned about like I don't know records label executives and people like that which is I don't know probably um a reactionary failing on my part but um I I found that side of London really exhausting after a while and then came back to Dublin and it was kind of um it was refreshing that a lot of people I, I knew were just kind of playing DIY gigs and not worried about like the businessy stuff I guess so you feel like there is still uh, a community of musicians that you're happy to be within uh, Dublin yeah yeah I do feel that that was yeah that was what kind of made me move back here in the first place that there is there definitely does feel like there is more of a community here but it it does also feel like that that is dwindling and that's changing venues are being shut down and turned into hotels and whatever else they're being turned into most people I know can't afford to stay here and like my friend's studio is closing down it's been running for years and yeah 
I, I honestly I don't know what it feels like we're at like a crisis point at the moment and I don't know what the future of Dublin is but I, I do feel like people are kind of resigned to leaving or just being exhausted all the time yeah I, th- I think that that feeling is quite like widespread now I mean this it's almost like feeling resigned to it rather than like it just doesn't seem like there's any action being taken that it's just the, the yeah that's yeah. that's the sickening part it's like we all feel really resigned and I I don't know what what the answer is or what we can do because like I mean, like, most politicians are landlords and are, like, reaping the benefits of having a, an uncontrolled rental market, which is really, I try, I mean, like, I try not to dwell on it because it just makes me feel incredibly hopeless and depressed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm half thinking about learning to drive and just moving to the countryside and commuting or something. I don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> oh man uh, uh and just in terms of music it sounds like it like even your your time is almost dwindling to make music is it do you find that like between college between work between like everything else you're like how how do i find the time to pick up the guitar yeah yeah that's that is a huge part it's like um yeah finding time is is a huge part of it but at the same time like I know that making music is the most important thing to me that I is it means I have to like work through the night or work whenever I can or like be writing lyrics on the bus to college or whatever it is and um like I I I mean I I get depressed and I feel um really hopeless and defeated in the face of I guess just untethered capitalism or whatever but at the same time I, I know that I have to make music and I just have to keep doing it and all of these things um they make it more difficult but I I know that for my own well-being and my own meaning in life or whatever it sounds so cheesy like I just have to keep doing it anyway have, have you kind of given up on like the the music industry businessy side of things that you're like like I do just want to make music for myself now rather than thinking about the other side of it. Um yeah, I mean that's always kind of been the case with me. I I yeah, I mean I do it for myself. I mean I think it would be really helpful. I mean it's it's really helpful and it's great when when I get help from other people and I'm really grateful for that. Um and it would be great if that happened more often. <laughs> But um, I, regardless of, of yeah, how other people receive it, I just I kind of need to do it for my own self, I guess. Yeah. And so, like, are you working on anything at the moment? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm about a third of the way through recording an album. So um, I'm working on that. Um, and I've been really lucky in that process that I've found this amazing engineer who's helping me, um, which is, which is brilliant. And then I guess, yeah, I'm just going to keep making that and hopefully it'll be finished by sometime in autumn. Cool. So what, right when you're in the middle of uh, college work, you can be like, I have to, I have to promote this album now. I have to put this out. I know. 
I always time it so badly. Like I'm, I'm always ending up like doing a tour like a week before I've got exams. I never, I never really think these things through. <laughs> um, do you, do you think just coming back to like the Dublin thing, like you said that you're going to be tight, you feel like you're going to be tied to Dublin for the next two years just with college. Do you think like it is going to reach, like, is it going to get worse before it gets better? Or do you think that like it's going to plateau or like, do you see like any sort of glimmer of positivity coming out of it or does it feel like Dublin is just kind of like lost at the moment I suppose honestly it feels pretty lost like I mean not even just in like a residential sense like it's so depressing when like you're walking down some random some street and it's like every independent shop is being turned into like a Starbucks or like a burrito shop this is like <laughs> like burritos and donuts and starbucks where there used to be like independent cafes it's yeah it's pretty grim and even stuff like the tivoli closing down like and like yeah i can't I have, my brain's gone blank but like there's been other venues recently that have been turned into like glossy bars or something yeah i, I mean yeah it just feels like dublin is becoming like a financial office district and not actually like a breathing vibrant city which is really sad because Dublin has so much character and I and I still feel a lot of love and affection for Dublin but it just it's yeah it's becoming more and more depressing uh I I think that I kind of have all I need I feel bad that it's kind of like not like it's not an optimistic subject and it's not I know, I know, I know, yeah. but like it, it does kind of feel like that, doesn't it? Where it's just like if if there's no optimism to be seen, then how can you kind of, you can't, you know, just kind of gloss over things, you know? I think it is good that people can see that you are a little not not at the end of your tether or something, but just like so despondent. No, I think it's, yeah, it's good to have these conversations because it it's something that needs to be taken seriously and it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, and I, what I do feel hopeful of, about is like the how like the grassroots movement of like the repeal campaign and the marriage equality campaign, like how you know something started off as like we were like protesting and like playing fundraiser gigs for years, and then it finally got taken seriously at government level. And I'm I'm hoping that with the housing crisis we can like summon up um, a strong enough grassroots movement because it I mean it's it's going to come down. It's, it will have to be people like us that are, you know, um, campaigning at like the bottom rung of the ladder before it ever gets taken seriously. Um, and I think this is a bit of, um, I mean, it's it's scarier because of the fact that like loads of politicians are landlords, and it suits them to to keep things the way they are. But I hope that. Um, I hope that something changes. Like I, I really hope that something changes. Basically, yeah. Uh, do, have you heard any talk of anything happening in that regard? Like a kind of a grassroots movement, I suppose, for lack of a better word, out of the um, repeal movement. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, there are like the Dublin Tenants Association, and like some squatters. I know that like. I've been around people and I've I've been going to protests and 
for the last few years, but it doesn't feel like anything's fully gaining momentum. But I think, I mean, even with David Kiss um, writing about his situation, I think it's bringing it more into um, con- like the public consciousness, maybe. Mm. Um, I mean, not that it isn't already, but I guess for people that aren't, you know, incredibly broke and sharing two-bedroom houses with four people or whatever, like, I guess people who are maybe a little more privileged, who didn't have to consider these things, are now becoming more aware of it, maybe, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I guess just talking about it and creating awareness and then hopefully uh, we can start protesting. I guess, I don't know. I, I already feel worn out, worn out by by it, but I I guess that's not really an option to... I don't know. That was Maya Sophia there, and that concludes a three-parter about life in and away from Dublin from a whole host of musicians. It's not exactly been a very optimistic series of chats, but hopefully it's brought a few issues to light. I live in Cork, where things are kind of getting eerily similar to Dublin, housing construction-wise, particularly in terms of artists feeling kind of squeezed out of spaces. I don't know what happens next, as you might have guessed if you have listened to the past couple of episodes, and I kind of don't think things are going to get any better anytime soon. But uh, on that note, <laughs> on that on that strange, strange note, let's uh, let's say goodbye for now. Thanks for listening, and stay positive. Mm-hmm.